Aftershocks, Tremors, we are back. Matt and Chris with you for another discussion episode on all things music business. Uh, what's going on, Chris? I know you've got a lot going on with Chris Aiken Presents, man. Tell us uh, what you've had. You've had a hell of a week. It's been busy, busy, that is for sure. Um, as of, um, well, as of midnight tonight, today's Thursday, uh, my interview with John Campbell from Lamb of God will be launching. And then next group next week skid row and orianti and um dead daisies and the next week diamond head and coming soon Vinny apathy and blackie lawless and leather wolf and marizio from cataclysm and autograph and i just have a ton of them coming up and they just That's keep great. on coming yeah a little <laughs> bit of everything in there you know like you said you got some death metal with marizio uh, you've got, I mean, you know, all the, of course, you got Blackie Lawless from Wasp, the 80s stuff. I mean, you sure. got a good mix of everything there, which is really cool, too, you know? Yeah, yeah and, and there's some uh, there's some unknown stuff in there, too. Uh, Serena Tali, who was formerly of Burning Witches, and um, a really cool thrash band. I don't know if I shared it with you yet, but if I haven't, I need to. This band called Rhythm of Fear. Have you heard oh, of these Oh, dude, yeah, I've, se I've seen them live, man. Are, are they good live? Because They're fantastic. So they, they used to... That's funny because I've actually I'm I'm tr trying to talk to him myself. They they um used to be the backing band for Leeway when when the singer Eddie okay. Sutton uh toured some years uh it's probably about three or four years now. Uh they came out here and Rhythm of Fear was the opening band and that band was the backing band for him. They played all the Leeway songs. So yes, great band out of Florida. Love them. Absolutely. Well, I'll have to hook you up with them because I, I I wasn't aware of them and I listened to the record. I was like, holy fuck, this is like mm. my speed. Oh yeah, <laughs> yep. And and then who's the other? You know that band Them? Are you aware of? The I band ha them? Yeah, I know of them. I don't know them that well though. Yeah, I I think they started as a King Diamond tribute band because they Ooh, do okay. the whole like King Diamond symbolism and there's a little bit of the in the okay. in the mix mm -hmm. but i think they've kind of gone away from that now the new record doesn't sound like king diamond but they're on their fourth consecutive uh concept album Ooh, and i'm and i'm for me i, I you know my my main question i want to ask them is you know are people getting these concepts you know you're you're not really known hmm. and you're doing yeah. concept albums like one after the next after the next that's a tough road man that is, but I guess they're just a concept band, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, I guess. I mean, that's all I know is they sound pretty cool and um, they've got a cool look. They do the whole, you know, the whole dress up and look thing. So if anything, it'll be a funny interview to see on the camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Very nice, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've had some some interviews too. Uh, Freedom Hawk, Stoner Band, nice. Virginia Beach. Great new album they have. Uh, mm -hmm. The Clay People. I don't know if you remember those guys. Yeah, the industrial. They were out in what the Nine Inch Nails era, right? Somewhere yes. In there. Yep, late nineties. They're from yeah. uh, I think upstate New York. Yeah, they were on the Strangeland soundtrack. Right, right, right. Yeah, the song Awake was all over the place. Uh, but in this new record, Cult Hypnotica really got. You know, one thing I've been really, I've been getting into. There has, you know, like about a year. It was about two years ago when we first started doing Aftershocks. We talked to Amir Durak from Orgy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Julian Kay, and I remember we were talking to him. We asked him, "What was he seeing? The industrial metal scene was there a resurgence with it?" He said that there was. And he, I remember he dropped a bunch of names of some bands. Right. I don't think I. I don't really. I don't remember. I don't think I checked any of them out. But uh, Sid Kier, I talked to him too a few weeks ago from you know X Ministry Guitars. He was saying the same thing that there is a 
a resurgence. So I, I, I'm just, I've been listening to some of that industrial metal again recently because I've been interviewing some of those bands, obviously. Sure. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm starting to be like, man, I kind of missed that stuff. I actually forgot how good a lot of those bands were. Mm -hmm. I love that stuff, man. There was, mm -hmm. in, in that era, in the Nine Inch Nails era, I was, I was that kid that if, if it was any kind of industrial, I had to have it, you know. Okay. And I have a lot of weird stuff in my collection now that I'm just like, you know, nobody knows who these bands are but i remember them like 13 mg and um uh, i don't know screw with a k uh, yes i remember screw uh -huh. remember screw and yep. you know i i have just this handful of these bands prick. yeah some of them people remember prick gravity kills gravity you know kills, I, I mean stabbing westward all those bands yeah, yeah. stabbing westward was not and they're back too they they're put out to, a really yeah. good record uh good mm -hmm. ep maybe six months ago oh wow okay so, so yeah, they're they're definitely back and active and doing their thing as well. So yeah, that that scene is definitely back and around. So yeah, I, I yeah, I just forgot how many I knew there was a bunch of bands, but I kind of forgot a lot of them until they've been popping up again lately. Like I said, the Clay People is just one of them. And when I'm listening to them, I'm just thinking to myself, man, this this that that music has aged well. You know, a lot of the stuff. Mm -hmm. It, it doesn't sound outdated. It, it almost has like a more of a heavy rock feel to it, more so than I thought it did, more than really metal a lot of times. Sure. And so, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I just, I, I just been really kind of like really feeling it lately when I've been hearing those songs. So I've been sure. kind of going back, like you said, the bands like Screw and all those bands, just been checking them out because, like I said, I haven't heard it in a while. And it's just kind of good to hear that, that music that's uh, back in. Those bands are still going. It's pretty cool. Sure. Just don't yeah. tell Eddie Trunk or Sebastian Bach that you like that stuff, because God forbid, God forbid, a laptop technology. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a whole nother story. Uh, you, you know, I, I I know you've you and Tumi uh, hit that topic up on on your show, so uh, <laughs> we won't go to that yeah. today. But yes, I I told you what you mean. But anyway, man. So yeah, I just wanted to, you know tonight. One thing when I was interviewing that band Freedom Hawk. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the stoner scene when they they were, they came up in the early to mid two thousands, and I was just kind of having them take me through sort of the, a lot of the changes they've seen. And one of the things they talked about there was this website called stonerrock.com. and that's really where that whole scene sort of congregated to at that time okay. because it was such a small scene. There was only a few labels, maybe Media City and small stone it was there was probably just a three or four labels sure. globally that were putting that music out so stonerock.com was just sort of it was i think it was more of a blog type of thing with news and everything and releases and then they eventually morphed into a full-time record store called all that is heavy which is no longer okay. around once the guy sold it but that was a huge hub that sort of kept i guess the whole scene going until later in, in the late 2000s early you know around 2010 or so when really the stoner scene kind of really started burgeoning and there was more labels globally that were opening up and signing these bands like heavy psych sounds and all these ones a lot of them in europe and so we were just talking about scenes you know and we right. were i was saying yeah. talking about their what scene they were from in virginia beach and it just got me to think in between talking about how that stonerock.com was the epicenter sort of like that was pretty much the scene itself there was no local scenes sure and then i started thinking about local scenes and we've obviously and we've touched on this on some of the other shows we've you know obviously local scenes just aren't what they were they used to be i mean obviously most things in music business were are not what they used to be mm -hmm. True. but it got me thinking about scenes and how 
is it better to have a global scene than it is to have a local scene that can build up a band? You know, is it better to have it how it is now, or was it better back then when you had just the local scenes with four or five bands would tour and just kind of play shows together all the time? And so I just thought that would be kind of a good topic to kind of get into sure. because it is you know, it's something that obviously um, yeah there's, I mean, I've read some articles. There's a lot of people that have been actually writing about this stuff for some years now. And so, yeah, it's just something I thought it was kind of a, a good idea to talk about. Tonight. Sure. So um, I'll, I, I was thinking about starting it off by just giving it a little bit of a background okay. of scenes in general. Sure. And so just cut, just, I mean, I literally mean to stop me or cut me off if <laughs> I'm going too far here or if you actually just want to interject and sure. if I miss something. But, you know, just when we think about rock scenes locally, you know, I mean, the first thing I could think of, and this was obviously by watching, you know, some some documentaries over the years. Even Bob, our good buddy Bob Malvandian, uh, mentioned some of this as well in his the uh, LA Metal series, mm-hmm. and it talks about really in the '60s in London there was that whole blues rock scene. Sure, right. That morphed into you know, of course, local scenes going throughout the major cities between the '70s, '80s, up until. Really, the 90s, where I think local, more mid-major scenes became, the the industry changed a little bit, and that's where a lot of the new music was coming out of. Obviously, with Seattle, with Sub Pop, right? Sure. Mm -hmm. That was the big one. Then a lot of, a lot of the, 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 yeah, obviously the labels, the major labels saw this as, well, this is easy win for us. We could just watch these labels locally in these cities, sign all these bands, and we could kind of, you know, just keep tabs and, and if we see something burgeoning, we can go and just scoop up some bands. I think one of the the, the um, examples I always use, I think I've talked to you about before, was there was sort of this scene that was in Lawrence, Kansas, of all places. And so there was three bands that got sound, signed, three alternative rock or metal, alternative metal bands that got signed out of there to major labels. There was this band called Stick that was like an Alice in Chains type of band. Sure. There was a band Paw. You remember the band Paw? I'm, oh, I'm yeah. sure you remember that band. Yeah. And there was this band, Kill Creek, that was more of an alternative rock thing. They weren't really metal. Paul, I, I remember reading how industry insiders thought they were going to be the next Nirvana. That just shows you how out of touch I think a lot of those people were back then. But anyway, fast forward, a lot of cities tried to replicate what Seattle did. Mm-hmm. You had In New England, you had Wonder Drug Records. You had uh, out here in San Francisco where you had alternative tentacles. I know you were telling me. There was also a label in Cleveland, I believe, too. That was a small label that was signing bands, right? Yeah, there was a few actually here in Cleveland, and, and honestly, I actually look at that as a detriment more than a more than a okay, yeah, uh, uh, an advantage because what ended up happening here was that people were forming labels only to only to move bands up. Okay, you know that and. You know the one that that formed here. I think it was called Rust Belt Records. This, they were a bigger one, and they were. There was a band. I don't know if you remember this band or not. They were national for about thirty three seconds, uh, called Cinematic. And um, and uh, the the singer was this guy named Ken Cooper, and he, very talented, very talented singer. But he he saw pretty much right away that his band wasn't going to get huge. So he formed a label instead and started signing local bands with the sole purpose of shopping them. You know, like he, he, he decided he was going to be the scene that was, you know, okay. That was picked up from. So we had that, we had that, and we had several versions of that. Uh, Tom Hazard, 
Tom, you know, he's still in the scene mm-hmm. or in the industry, but Tom, Tom had, you know, he, he hung out around here because he found Kamira and, and pushed them over. So then mm-hmm. he, he had his label and he signed a zillion bands, you know, to his label, trying to move them along. So mm-hmm. yeah, that you had, um, the, um, standby records that found black veil brides. Okay. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. that, that was owned by a guy named Neil Sheehan. It was the same thing. He was here and he was here locally and, uh, you know, he put his, his label together. And once he sold black veil brides up to Atlantic, I think, I think Atlantic's mm-hmm. who bought, who bought that or lava or one of them, you Atlantic. know, lava. Yeah. Lava. Yeah. 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 Once, once he did that, then, you know, it was off to the races with signing a zillion other bands and trying to sell them to, you know, whatever label mm-hmm. he could push them through. So that was what ended up happening here. Once, once Seattle hit and, um, and people saw that exactly what you said, that people were just picking off little labels and, and buying up their bands. Mm-hmm. That became a thing here. That was a big thing here. You know, Mushroom Head. Mushroom Head famously mm-hmm. and famously because I caused them a hassle, but they were signed <laughs> to they were signed to a, a little tiny label that's still in, a, in business called Eclipse, Eclipse. Records. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And Eclipse put out their XX record. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. they they backdoor dealed around the Eclipse guy and signed with Universal. Universal wanted them. So they mm-hmm. signed with Universal under the guise of, well, Universal has better lawyers. Fuck you, sue me, you know. And mm-hmm. and that's that's what they did. They they went and and uh, you know just fucked that guy over and went to Universal. But it was the same mm-hmm. thing. It was they took Universal, let a little band process. I mean, literally let the little band record the whole album, put it mm-hmm. out, and then just bought it, brought in a producer to remix it, and that was it. Yeah. You know, so that that's what happened here. Cleveland was absolutely a, um, you know, scumbag central when it came to came to <laughs> seeing the industry and and fucking it up. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I see. I'm gonna disagree. I don't think that's scumbagish. You know, I, I think. Look, I'm not gonna lie. Even when I started my little label, that's why I, that's what I viewed my label as is a stepping stool label. I was just hoping to hit now one band, so that it could it could basically fund and grow the label. Mm-hmm. And I and I think that's you know I wanted to continually, but I didn't just want to hit a band, get money, and see and close up shop. No, I just want to be able to to do that full time if I could and sign more bands. Only way to do that though with a small label like that really is if one or two of these bands kind of hit either real big locally or you know regionally at least. Mm-hmm. So I think most labels start because that's sort of what they have in mind. They 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 want to help get a, a band off the ground, and then eventually they get you know, noticed or they get picked up or whatever by someone who could do more with them and obviously make them bigger. And therefore you still own the rights to that record you put out. That's where you make your money. Once that band starts getting, you know, bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. And on that level, I, I don't disagree with you. There, there was a lot of little labels at that time that were doing just that, you know, like Gotham records. Remember Gotham records? Yes, they, yeah. they put mm-hmm. out quite a few small bands that really didn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But they had, they seemed like they had the right intention in mind. They seemed like they were, they were signing bands that were quality. They were putting them on the road for a little while. And then they were trying to ship them up to the next, mm. to the next thing. The problem that I saw was that so many of these guys were cutthroat dickheads 
and they were raping the bands. You know, the, the band mm. would come in, they'd sign a deal with them and they say, okay, well, you need $3,000 worth of clothes and you need $5,000 worth of stage gear. Mm. And you need, you need to pay me my consulting fee of, you know, 25% plus five grand. Yeah. And I saw that so much, you know, and sure. there's, there is horror story after horror story with all my band friends of how they got totally fucked by these guys. And, and, and I mean, it was, a, it was a thing here, here. It was like, I think because Kamira and mushroom had both escaped out of here at the same time, mm -hmm. pretty close to the same time. Mm -hmm. I think all of a sudden everybody thought that they were the next one of mm -hmm. those. Got it. And, and it led to the vultures. The vultures saw the dummies that were going to just throw money, you know, around mm -hmm. and they took it. Dude, let me tell you, I have just sitting right over there. I have an arsenal of um, laminates because I used to, you know, when I was doing the metal show on MMS, I was always asked to host things mm -hmm. and I must have 20 laminates over there of quote unquote benefit shows that I, <laughs> that I really host of for this is raising money so that local bands can get in this movie. Yeah. This is low. This is for, you know, extra, extra money for tour support. Cause we're going to send local band Y to, you know, on a mm, 10 city sure. tour or whatever, mm. you know, I, I mean, I think the scumbags came out because I think there was a purity at the beginning and, and even more than at the beginning, I think through Seattle, I think there was a purity, mm -hmm. but Seattle blew up so big. And that's right. When the industry was at the height of its money-making. Yep. You know, and I, I think people just saw that and were like, Oh, I'm going to cash in while I can. Well, they were, well, they were doing all those P and D deals back then too. Mm -hmm. And that was a thing, yeah. which was perfect for both independent labels and major labels it was a great i thought partnership and, and where it should have been it's yeah i mean listen that is a great idea to have these local labels be the scouts uh -huh. and to sort of sign and be the farm team you know sure it's like their farm system and you know yeah make a deal if you see they're putting out some good you know some good talent yeah you make a deal with them three or four records you know you sign with these small independent labels that they'll just do you know the whole the p and d deals with them Really cost the, both sides nothing, you know. Mm -hmm. Both had a lot to gain, but of course, yes. Then you know, greed takes over, and it wasn't enough for the majors. I, I don't. I think the Indies were totally fine with it, and, and it's one of the reasons I don't. I, you know, we don't see. I mean, there's a lot of reasons we don't see it much in you know labels anymore. That's just one of the many things on top mm -hmm. of the, you know, obviously uh, internet and stuff and technology. But you, you know, and like you said, yeah, there was so many. I mean, Amrep that came out of Minneapolis. Another small, you know, I mean, who's going to go sure. into Minneapolis and sign these bands? And it wasn't just bands, obviously, they signed for Minneapolis, but they really did focus on the Midwest. And and mm -hmm. they even, those those bands, they didn't even really tour the, the big cities, uh, you know, L.A. and New York. They just kept it within the Midwest. That's how yeah. they, they got big and they got noticed. So, but just thinking about, again, with local scenes and versus now this global virtual scene, pretty much is mm -hmm. what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just... Talk, thinking about some of the the pros, I don't say pros and cons, but just some of the benefits. I'd say and shortcomings. You know, obviously one of the best things about I would say maybe not having these local scenes anymore. One thing I mean, this is what people I think you know. I'm just look, thinking of I'm talking about my experiences of talking to other bands previously. Sure. A lot of 
bands, for instance, if you if you've got a local seed and that's where you're expected to come out of, there's a lot of pressure to you also to sort of sound at least a little bit like some of these bands, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, and I I always I always talk about just you know just coming from coming from New York, growing up. Every single one of those metal bands, whether it be Typo Negative or Life of Agony or Biohazard, all that, and I've said this a bunch of times, these bands all started out really playing with hardcore bands. You had sure. to sort of come up with hardcore because New York was more of a punk town than a metal town. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of bands just sort of, they would just incorporate a little part here and there in some of those songs to give it like a hardcore edge so that they can get on those bills because that's where a lot of the bigger bands were playing or, you get, or just where they can actually get on shows to get discovered. If you want to say, you know, quote unquote. Sure. Um, so I think one of the things that's, that's good about, you know, having a global scene over that is in terms of music, you could just play whatever it is you want to play and mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about it. Cause you're going to find someone somewhere, some band somewhere that's similar to you that you can kind of, not, I don't know if you could necessarily tort them, but you could kind of create sort of a little virtual world music scene online if you wanted to. So it's just it's it's interesting going from the physical presence of a scene to now you don't even need to do that. Everything is just mm-hmm. done seen right here is like we're doing. Sure. Yeah. I'm gonna I, I'm stretching trying to find a positive. Yeah. Because okay. I, I think I think that. The, the fact that there's no local scenes has absolutely wrecked music. I, I really do. Okay. I, I mean, I, I honestly don't I know of any, I don't mm-hmm. know of any positive I can say because okay. even, even, yeah, you can have your own scene, but what it does is it has stopped any, any assistance of one band to the, to the next. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's no work. The work ethic has gone to shit to total mm-hmm. shit. You know, I, I can't tell you how many bands, I, you know, I talk to and I see that they're upset that their show drew 33 people because, mm-hmm. well, but I, but I put out a Facebook post every day mm-hmm. and it's like, that's not enough. It, it's, no. it's not enough. You gotta, you gotta talk to people. You gotta, you know, you gotta interact and that interaction is gone. It's you gone. know, back in, back in the late nineties, early two thousands here, there were pretty much three distinct clicks mm. there there was the mushroom head click and there was like a bunch of bands that were in that click that was mm. like uh 13 faces and uh runt and uh, 10,000 cadillacs and 216 there's a bunch of those bands and they all played together and they always ran together and even though even though i personally was not a fan of them i certainly saw every show that they did did 500 600 800 people because it was a strong it was a strong click mm-hmm. then there was then there was a click i'll call it the gatlin click our our friend john drake was led his band gatlin mm-hmm. and there was a there was a selection of five or six bands that would play with them all the time and swap in and out with them mm-hmm. and those shows you know i mean gatlin famously played the odeon here which was like a thousand seats like over and over and over and over and sold it out continuously, mm-hmm. you know, which, and again, it was because everybody knew everybody, everybody knew their fan set, but then there was other, you know, even smaller clicks. Like there was a click of stoner bands here and I loved them. And some of them you probably are aware you specifically are probably aware of mm-hmm. like um, red giant. And, oh yeah, um, of course. Yeah. And um, Abdullah and mm-hmm. um, disengage. 
Um, I mean, there was there was a this collection of, of these stoner bands, and again, those bands all played together consistently. And when they would play shows, when they would announce shows, they were always well attended because these guys all worked together. There was no, none of these guys were like competitive. I mean, they, mm-hmm. they were competitive internally. Like, yeah, we're going to blow you off the stage type of a deal. Sure. But they weren't competitive of, well, we're going to book the same night as you and we're going to try and steal your audience. You know, Got it. yeah, they, mm-hmm. they, they all played together if if one click was if like if the gatlin click was was playing a show and they had three bands on the show the other two or three bands would not play that night mm. they respected the you yeah. know they respected mm-hmm. the schedule as much as they respected the bands because they all worked together to make each other money mm-hmm. and that's gone now now it's you know dude it's it's one of the reasons so many of the clubs are are Oh, absolutely yeah yeah mm-hmm. you know because you know it's who's true, gonna yeah. come out you know i'm in cleveland you're in you're up by the bay who the hell's gonna come out when band from wisconsin comes to town now it's, it's a great point man you know um that that is a huge thing especially like you said right there in terms of if you don't draw if these bands are playing locally and they're only drawing you know, 15 20 30 people these yeah. clubs aren't gonna last they're not gonna make enough money to stay open I don't right. be any places these places to play. Absolutely. Now I will say though, one of the things you talked about there, the clicks. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, that was something. Well, even before that, as you were saying, even before we get into that, you said about the other bands that were respecting the bands that they had shows that night and they wouldn't schedule shows. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting because in New York with the hardcore scene, <laughs> what it was was one of the I, I would I would call it the crews as they would call them there. Uh, with you know the Madball crew and all them, mm-hmm. <clears throat> this is from what I've heard. But this was after I I had moved out to California. But they would go to if there was bands poking other hardcore shows that you were in a New York uh, City area, they would go and start fights and get the clothes shut the show cut shut down. <laughs> Jesus for these guys. So there, everyone knew don't book a show when certain bands and a certain clique were playing. Now that's one of the things I would say. Uh, you know, I, I mean, it's sort of a pro. Is I I mean at least from when I grew up watching a lot of bands there was a lot of bands that were in these scenes that really sounded musically nothing like these other bands but right. they were part of the so called scene because they were friends with them even if their music sucked I mean there was some bands I, I won't name them but there's one particular band in New York Harkin that I do not like and and it's not so much that they're a horrible band it's more that their sound is nothing like hardcore they're just a punk rock band a regular sure. almost poppy punk rock band. But they get on all these bills, build this hardcore, and I mean, like they're not. And so right. some of that stuff, or they'd have even even back then, they'd have rap rap bands on, you know, rap groups. And I'm like, well, okay, that's cool, that they, you know, but they're not they're not a hardcore band. I'll call them a hardcore rap band. That makes no sense. Sure. You know, so I think they would sometimes dilute what you were doing in order to get some of their buddies and cl- people of the clique get their bands on a lot of these bills, or just sort of get you know, whatever it was. So sometimes I just thought it was exclusive in that way too where now you don't have to worry about that if you're if you're not say the most outgoing guy you're not a great communicator you're not really good at going and 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 schmoozing with people well your music could do the talking now i Mm -hmm. think these days where back then you you had to have some sort of skills like that unless your music was that great where people just couldn't miss it but you had to have those skills in order to kind of bond with people and get make connections and you know, I think nowadays it, it's it's it gives it makes it more of a I guess even you know a level playing field for a lot of those artists and bands. 
Yeah, no. I mean, I, I, I certainly hear what you're saying, and on some level, I agree. But I think the other piece that really hurts that is the total lack of attention span. People are not geared, yeah, to spend an hour learning about a band online. You know, I mean, dude, even in the early internet days. So I don't want to go like I don't want to I don't want to sound like the old man in the room here and be like. Yeah, back in my day, back when the, <laughs> yeah. when the Beatles were playing, you know, I don't want to be that guy. But even in the early days of the mm. Internet, let's say Corn. I'm just throwing mm. throwing any band out there before Corn was famous. When you first heard Corn for the first time, mm -hmm. more than likely, if you liked them, I don't remember if you liked them or not. But if you liked them, mm -hmm. the first move you did was went to the Internet. You beep, beep, beep made all the noise to connect to the, your AOL messenger and you looked up corn and you looked them up to see what they've done and where they've played and who they've played with. And you listened to samples of 15 other songs that they might have out there. Like you, you investigated it a little more. Mm -hmm. Now I'm doubtful. Now, if I give you a name of a killer, like we said, rhythm of fear, mm -hmm. I guarantee you there's, less than two people that will be listening to this podcast that will go and listen to all 45 minutes of their album. They might Agreed. listen to 30 seconds and they'll Agreed. be like, Oh, that's cool. Or it's not cool. Mm -hmm. And then it'll be forgotten. And then a week from now, one week from today, if you ask somebody that, you know, listen to it, Hey, what do you think of the rhythm of fear? They'll be like, who they mm -hmm. won't remember because mm -hmm. the, the time invested by not having it in front of you, by not having a, a uh, physical experience mm -hmm. drastically limits the attention span that you give. It's one of the reasons I think that yeah. bands are not breaking out now, just in general. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, you have, you have just a handful of bands that are breaking out and are they really breaking out? I mean, is Greta Van Fleet really broken out? Mm -hmm. I know what you're getting at. Yeah. Is Hailstorm was... really mm -hmm. broken out? You know, you mm -hmm. know, I mean, it's, these are the big hailstorm. I would argue is probably one of the biggest new bands around right now. New rock mm -hmm. bands, newer, even though they're what, 10, 12 years old at this point, but yep. mm -hmm. how big are they really? They're not even uh, uh, arena level. Well, well that, and I think that goes into a different topic in terms of that's something that we've, we've talked about too, you know, in, in terms of um, the old music and older bands being the focus. Nostalgia being the focus. I mean, sure. Someone like Hellstorm, like you said, yeah, they're not that new. Obviously, they've been around, yeah, a good twelve years at least, I would think. Yeah, but they're still new in so many people's. It takes now ten years for people to get to know. True. Where back in the day, you put out one good record. By the time your second record came out, you'd be a band for three, four years. People would already know you mm -hmm. uh, very well. You, you'd be a veteran band by the time you were together five or six years. Yeah. Now you're 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 just a baby. I mean, it doesn't matter how many records you put out. It's really how long you, have you been on a specific level? Even though you mm -hmm. it took you ten years to get to that level. Yeah. But yeah. But I think a lot of that goes to obviously just that. That's the list. Enough. You know. That's that's something too. Another topic I have <laughs> up the pike for us in regards right. to that kind of stuff because it's definitely uh, something that, that goes hand in hand with what we're talking about today. Absolutely. Sure. But you know, I just think. And just looking, I'm trying to just obviously think of, of positive ways because the thing is too, uh, positive things I should say, because it's here to stay this stuff, right? There is, oh, yeah. there is no, the one, listen, one good thing too, is, you know, for instance, like I, I was, I spoke to this band, uh, just the episode came out a week ago. 
called Abrams. They're a heavy rock band out of Denver. Mm -hmm. Now, Denver, I think of Denver, if you think of where it's located, it's really, like the guy said, it's an island. It's, right. I mean, there's the, the closest major city or mid-major city to Denver is Salt Lake. Salt Lake, which is nine hours from there, and you got Albuquerque. And those aren't even major cities. They're more yeah. mid-majors. I mean, for them to, to get to a, a major hub, whether it's, you know, Phoenix or, you know, Vegas or whatever it is, I mean, it's 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 two states over. I mean, that's yeah. those those guys can't go anywhere. If I mean, you, you it's to, for them to, to tour is insane. So they're kind of stuck there locally. And like he was telling me, I mean, they're not really a metal band at all. They're like I said, a heavy rock band. They they have some of their older stuff was more metallic. It was more of like mm -hmm. post hardcore, you know, sort of progressive metal in the vein of like a mastodon type of thing but they they have to play with like death metal bands because that's really the, you know the extreme metal is really the main sound for metal bands sure. in denver so they're kind of like there's no one that sounds like them so for them it's good to be able to sort of with the global virtual scene mm -hmm. people will know about them even though people aren't seeing them live because they put out a really good record that's good quality very well produced on a, on a good, solid, independent label, they could still get notoriety, like for myself and people, you know, just everywhere sure. without having to go tour. I mean, back then you had to tour those towns for people mm -hmm. to know you. Oh, you yeah. don't have to do that now. I mean, yes, same time, like you said, though, it's a catch-22 because there is a shortage of clubs because of that on top of so. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, it's a tough catch-22 right now, man. It's a, it's a it really is. hard time for a band to break free to break loose you know to be mm. new and get get found because people aren't aren't paying attention the media is not helping you know the media doesn't help at all it's all reduced to podcasting and stuff and then you know not to bring our woes into it but every time we throw in 30 seconds of music then we get fucked for doing so mm. even though we're we're totally trying to help bands and every single band we talk to is thrilled when we say we're going to play 30 seconds of their video Mm -hmm. and then we put it up on youtube and what do we get we get a, a copyright strike or whatever yeah mm -hmm. you know i i mean so the industry as a whole is not helping and yeah it, it's a tough it's a tough go i mean guys like me and you that love music we love the internet for this we have discovered sure. some bands that that are going to be with us forever i know i have bands yeah, like absolutely. uh bands like a thousand mods or um yep. witch skull you know these are bands especially witch skull from australia oh yeah great i would never know of that band no nope. if yep. i waited for them to tour if exactly. i didn't have the internet and because I have the internet, I not only heard a couple of albums from them, but had a chance to talk to them and relate to them. And now I'm a fan of them. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I'm not, I'm definitely not going to say that it's not possible because it is. It's just that I, I wish, I wish the media, you know, it's like everything that used to be good about the, the scene that made the scenes it wasn't just the physical shows. It was all of it. It was the radio stations having specialty shows for the local music and, you know, playing the mm -hmm. local music on the big station where it would get exposure. It would never get any other time. And it was local magazines in town that would, you know, do an article. You know, they might cover the big concert that's coming. If Metallica's coming to town or something, they'll do Metallica will be on the cover, but that local band, that's also playing the tiny club 
is also featured in there to where, you know, it kind of leveled the playing field back then. Sure. All of that is gone now. Now it's all just clickbait bullshit. It's only the biggest bands that get covered. You know, look, go to any one of these music sites that are, you know, the big music sites that are out there. And I promise you. Yeah. There you go. And what is Lamb of God? It's it leads with the biggest band. Well, Corn, Scotty, and John Petrucci. Yeah. Once again, and they, no, I'm glad you brought it up because that was something I wanted to bring up. Dave Lombardo. We got Surge. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ozzy. Yeah. You, you tell me. I mean, Volby. They've been around a long time. At the gates, they're from back in the '90s. Corey Taylor, Pucifer. I mean, you know, Maynard. Yeah. I mean, this is the this is an issue, man. This is a problem mm-hmm. when. Because it's true. Remember, we we look at those metal magazines back in the day. Yeah. Now, what was some what was some of the great? Right, let's get this thing off because I I don't watch that yeah. movie. But um, I just wanted to show an example. But there was always it, a lot of times whether it was Metal Edge or you know whatever all those great magazines yeah. back then, Metal Maniacs. Sure. Most of the time, you would see a, a pretty new band that was maybe on their second album or so, or sometimes even their mm-hmm. first if they if they were really just you know destroying it yeah or if you didn't you'd always see those new bands on the bottom remember they'd always listen to those bands in the bottom just to show you that that they are featured and they're great they would feature at least two or three newer bands in some of the subgenres. sure yeah now nothing no. i mean like we just saw one example there is not one new band with newer no. band within the last 10 years that was listed on there yeah, the only way a newer band gets listed on one of these sites is if they piss in an audience member's mouth or if they yep. say something super political. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super hyper political. If they don't do either of those two things, they're not getting mentioned on any of the sites. No. Nope. No. Nope. You know, if, if they just put out a record that kicks ass, it won't even get reviewed anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it won't get reviewed. No one talks about it. No one quotes them like they're an equal. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Well, and then a lot of times we hear people say, well, it's because. These new bands, they're they're not doing anything new. You know, there's nothing good out there. That's that's the excuse they use. Mm-hmm. It's just the excuse they use. Yes, I mean, I, I'll, we'll, I'll admit, I don't think I've heard anything that's, you know, just outrageously different and, and just this brand new sound that's like taking over. But what I am seeing is like it's always been done. Listen, to me, grunge, that wasn't this yeah. wow, this new sound that no one's ever done before. No, oh. it was it was taken from the 70s punk and punk uh-huh. and just sort of coalesced between punk and Sabbath, really. That's what most yeah. of those bands were based around. Let's be honest, one of the biggest bands in the entire world for the last 35 years has been Guns N' Roses, who did absolutely nothing original. No, nothing. Nothing, you know, and and didn't even put out a lot of records for God's sakes. They only put out what three records, three original records, and an Mm -hmm. EP. I mean, I mean, let's let's get real, folks. It doesn't have to be this new crazy sound. And we had a burst of of new crazy sounds when the whole kill switch engage stuff, all Mm -hmm. you know, that that more modern extreme metal broke broke loose there in the what is that early 2000s? I guess, yep. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, we had the corn, corn was a fairly new sound, disturbed was a derivative of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had like Kill Switch and you know, all those heavier bands on Unearth and um Shadows Fall, and you know, not that they were just super distinctly original, but it was a different sound than what we had been hearing. It was a heavier mm-hmm. version of you know, Metallica and Megadeth and Anthrax or whatever. It was a it was the next level, mm-hmm. you know, 
and, and none of those bands have turned out to be massive either. Nope. No. Uh, listen, like you said, a great example is the Guns N' Roses because they do nothing very original. What they did was they took bits of other sounds, mm-hmm. made something, you know, they were obviously very talented musicians, and then you had a really great frontman. Yeah. Now, now, don't tell me that there aren't great frontmen. We, we've interviewed some of them over mm-hmm. the last three years. There's some great frontmen out there. I'm not saying they're doing anything, yeah, brand new, but they're just taking what's been done and they're putting more, a, a more f- modern spin on it. To me, that's what yeah. it's all about anyway, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. People, people like to and, – and maybe it's just because we're getting older and we're around <laughs> older people. Sure that could be it. part of oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know – I fucking hate old people. And I and by old people I mean people my age and and probably 10 years younger and te- and certainly everybody over. Cuz mm. when it comes to music and pop culture in general, they all fucking suck. They yeah. all have quit. They've all just quit growing. They're either they're either falling their way into Jason Aldean territory mm. or they're hanging on to that Motley Crue tour and they're Def Leppard records and, and mm. they're trying to pretend that they're still cool because, you know, because they listen to Queensryche still or whatever. It's like, you know what? There's so much new fucking music out there. Go support some of it. Yeah. Because you're not leaving the next generation, your kids, your kids, kids, you're not leaving them anything by just limiting what is getting exposure. And it, it's honestly people, Everybody that has quit growing musically is limiting the next generation from what they're going to hear. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, and, and no, you, you're absolutely right. If we once again, we've been saying it. There's nothing that's going to replenish these bands when they're gone, man. I mean, no. there are bands out there. You just got to give them a chance. You got to go check mm-hmm. it out. I mean, I don't remember. Look, we've talked about. It. Unfortunately, yes. Look, the days of these bigger bands taking out these small bands and them getting that notoriety from all that. Yeah. Those days are done. A lot mm-hmm. of it's just because of the business and the risk involved and these promoters and, and they just don't want to take the risk. They want the sure thing. And if you want to get on a show now, big bill, you've got to pay your way on there. Yeah. So I, I get it. They're not just going to take out just some small fry because that band that's headlighting really likes them and thinks they're going to be the next big thing. I, I get that. Okay. That's fine. But then what needs to happen is you've got to support some of these, 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 these shows that these bands are putting out, or you got to sure. at least look for the music. Go and and once a week, you know, there's so many podcasts that have, you know, play or playlists or whatever you whatever is your preference yeah. when you're in your car. I mean, pop it on. I mean, I know people like to get stuff fed to them, but if you're not going to get anything fed to you via commercial radio, we all know that. That's yeah. new. I guess SiriusXM is probably the closest thing to that that people are engaging in and in, in investing in in terms of paying. But you know, but people don't want to pay for music anymore. Yeah. That's a thing too. So I don't know if really any too many people that even have Series Six M anymore. Yeah, not really. I mean, everybody's gone to Spotify or YouTube Music or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the unfortunate thing with with those services is that honestly, what we wanted forever is the big is one of the biggest curses of when we got it. Yeah, which was we bitched forever that we wanted all our music a la carte. I just want to pick whatever I can listen to, whatever I want, when I want to hear it. And what does it do? It's got everybody listening day in and day out to Motley Crue, Ozzy Osbourne, Metallica, <laughs> Megadeth. Know. You know, and and if a and if a new song slips in there, they can't fucking reach quick enough for their phone <laughs> to skip it. I know. 
Oh, what is this shit? I don't know this. Ah, oh, this is better. It's new Megadeth. It's like, oh, yeah, they stop. don't even check. They don't even check to see, like, listen to a song and be like, oh, who's that? Let me go check out. I, no. I don't, I, I never see anyone do that. I mean, I just, no. my friends and people I'm around, I never see anyone do it. It's crazy. It, it's an, it's a quick skip, you yeah. know? And, and do think of the bands not skip the huge bands for a minute because they're obvious ones, but think of the big bands that if they came up today, just would have no audience, would never like a dream theater. Mm -hmm. I don't like dream theater. I don't think you like dream theater either. Not really. But, but I think we both will acknowledge that they have a place. Oh, absolutely. They have yeah. a day they, they definitely have a place and they want a Grammy. Oh, so obviously someone likes them. Absolutely. Would Respect never make it today. Never would make it just because they're not two minute songs. They're artistic. They're, you know, you have to live with it for a while to get it. Mm. You know, all of the elements that is, that are, that make up dream theater would not fly in 2022. Yeah, I know. I agree. Mm -hmm. They would be done. And they're just one example. There's so symphony X never would make it. Today. Yeah. Ever great. Mm -hmm. Never would make it today. Any progressive band never would make it today. Mm -hmm. You know, honestly, you know, I don't know what does make it today. Honestly, I mean, well, you know, well, the thing too is what we're seeing. You know, like I was talking to, and you talked to him too, Darren Miller from '96 yeah. Peter Beans, XCKY, mm -hmm. and it was towards the end of the interview and we were talking something about the youth and you know what what's you know his goal was he just wants to see rock and metal become prevalent again you know i think in uh -huh. society and he was saying that he really thinks it's going to be he feels like it's going to be real soon he says because it's been about 20 years now and everything goes in cycles as we do all know however I don't know if I share that optimism that, that, that he does, but I will say this, you know, we've, we've been seeing, I don't want to really get into it because it's sort of blabbermouthy type of stuff, but you know, we've been seeing some things recently in the media uh, revolving some of these celebrities who are now all of a sudden they're saying, Oh, they're fans of, of this band. And I'll just say Allison chains. Okay. Okay. So I know you're talking, I know you probably know what I'm talking about, but these are Hollywood people. Okay, mm -hmm. that normally wouldn't be talking about rock and metal ever. Right and now, they're saying they're fans of this band. So there could be so we, we've been seeing now for years Kardashians and all these people wearing these metal shirts, right? Sure, as as style, even though they have no idea. I mean, even today, I'm you know I'm in my my classroom teaching, and there's this kid I know that's not into metal rock at all, and he's wearing an ACDC shirt. You know, how many people you see wearing ACDC shirts these days? <laughs> A ton because Target's selling the shirt for right, one. Right, of course. You know, so they're they're you know, so the thing is, is like now people always say, "Well, it's great. That's great for metal." It's, it's like with Metallica. You know, I'm not trying to shit Metallica. I love Metallica, mm -hmm. obviously, but they're, they're instead of the most commercial metal band of all time, and still the biggest rock probably band on the face of the earth today. Sure, we see Metallica all the time doing these benefits and shows with all these pop stars. You know, mm -hmm. with Lady Gaga and The Weeknd and all these people, right? And there's Metallica. And the thing is, I know, I know Lars would always say, well, it's great for metal. We're ambassadors for metal, trying to get metal out there. Now, no. while, I, while I do agree, you know, they, they helped it become more global in a lot of ways in, in countries that, you know, might have not had uh, fans of metal before they maybe toured there or became, they became big. No, it's not good. It's not good for metal because mm -hmm. metal isn't about that. And that's the whole point. Yeah. You don't want metal to be reach this super massive audience 
because then it dilutes it. I mean, it, it's going to automatically be watered down. And we saw that. No offense, I don't want to be attacking Metallica, but we saw how much their music changed over the years once they became part of the machine there. Dude, look at the entire 80s hair metal scene. Yeah. Oh, the absolutely. entire. Every, the every yeah. last band every in that band. scene. Every last band in that scene got less good musically because they got attention. Yeah. Every single one of them. Well, attention then, from the wrong Yeah, from people. the wrong people. Yeah. yeah. I mean, dude, there, there was a time, and you, you, I think you were probably a little young for it. I, I was, I because I was a teenager when it, when when you mentioned your metal bands that you liked, mm-hmm. it was met with horror from the women. Oh yeah. Oh and, yeah. You and then Motley Crue, then Motley Crue came along and then okay. <laughs> and then it was okay. Then it was yeah. the same old situation and don't go mm. away mad. Just go and then Skid Row and you know, all these other oh, yeah. these other flavor bands that, that the girls liked. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying the women shouldn't like metal. I'm just saying that, you know. It it kind of diluted it. It did. It diluted it, it when it diluted it. Like like for me, I I can remember listening to Van Halen one in a parking lot at a you know at a McDonald's after a all football right. game. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and it would it would be like all my friends and and you know the girls and whatever that were that were there hanging out. And when you know Eddie Van Halen would start really riffing hard, like running the devil or you know eruption or whatever. Mm-hmm. The girls couldn't scatter fast enough. You know, we sure. were absolutely pariahs. Mm-hmm. By the time 1984 would get on, though, they're right there singing "Jump" and you know, <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Uh-huh. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was like, wait a minute, this is my band. You can't listen to this. <laughs> exactly. And and my thing is, is like, it might have seen, you know, might have been pretty cool at that time, thinking, okay, now this is great. Yeah. These 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 women and and people who normally don't listen to this kind of music now are digging mm-hmm. this stuff. But let's be honest, too, you know, with Jump, I mean, that was di- probably the most diluted Van Halen song of all yeah, time. Of course. Of course, of right? Course. So it's that, that's the thing is this whole thing of, of metal. I, I, it's like, I mean, when you think about metal being mainstream, I that to me has never helped at all the, the, nope. the genre or the scene at all. I mean, getting that to the masses doesn't mean it's help. It helps your pocket. It helps your success. Look, it'll never knock anybody is free to, you know, do what they want musically, what they want to do. I, I'll sure. never, you know, get on anyone for doing that. Metallica doing what they did, but to still consider them, you know, to me, like the, you know, it's like that great line that, that Kerry King has about, you know, Lars telling him, oh, you guys, you're just going to be stuck in the corner, you know, for your whole careers. And he's like, good. I like my corner. I wouldn't yeah. want to be in any other corner. Mm-hmm. And and that's what it is. I think it, it, instead of everyone just being in their corners and, and and sticking to stop trying to, I don't know. Like I said, I don't want to tell people what to do or bands what to do. It's just for metal, though, it, 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 as a whole, I think trying to commercialize it and get it out to as many ears and eyes as possible does not help it, as we've seen. I mean, we've like yeah. I said, now we're seeing Hollywood trying to get involved with metal again. I mean, mm-hmm. we we see what Hollywood does. We saw what they've done to to the Coachella Festival. That was actually a cool little indie thing for a while that got sure. now just demolished. It became now just a pop festival. Right. We saw it with Psycho in, in Vegas. You started having some of these other like indie rock bands getting over there. That That's changed. It's still cool. Uh, definitely a, a great festival, but it's not what it used to be. Because right. once it gets some notoriety and, and Hollywood goes, oh, look at this thing over here. Cool. Just like they've done with scenes and music and they mm-hmm. just, you know destroyed them over the years. Yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really, you know, 
I, I just look at my my favorite bands, and and I it's not all of them, but I would say it's probably 70-30. My favorite bands are seventy percent bands that did not have huge success. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. I, I'll take a Biohazard over pretty much anybody not named Pantera Metallica. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. honestly, I I, mm -hmm. I mean, and, and even a band like Pantera, I think that's probably what is the most alluring thing about Pantera. They never really were commercially successful. No, no, they they never were. I mean, they that's, never that's sold actually out they weren't. You yeah, know, that's you actually know. a great point. You know, a band like Pantera, they never did get that commercial success. They didn't take the road of Megadeth and Metallica. They, no. they didn't do it. No, they didn't they, do their soft record. Never did. They got heavier. They yeah. got heavier and heavier. Yeah, can yeah. you imagine if Pantera would have put out their version of the Memory Remains or something? Oh, oh my Lord. God. Well, you know what? I'll tell you. I think if they would have done that. It would have been pretty. I mean, if you listen to what they did with Rebel Meets Rebel with David Allen Coe, that is a great those yeah, riffs on that record. I love that record. It's mm -hmm. a fun, just good time record. That was their way of, I think, kind of getting a little bit softer, but it was still metallic, but they got more Southern rock. Yeah. So I, th I think they would have actually been pretty good if they would have went that way. But yeah, they, it wouldn't have been Pantera, though. It would have been, it yeah. just wouldn't have been. It would have diluted the Pantera Absolutely. brand. The same way, the same way that the Black Album diluted the Metallica brand. Mm hmm. Same yeah. exact way. Yeah, but you see, but even to me, like like a black album, I'm okay with. Because yeah, it, I, I don't, I don't hate it. I yeah. mean, obviously, I wrote a book about it. I don't hate it, but mm. it it definitely took them down a bad path. Well, that's your. It led down a bad path, and it, well, yeah. and it was, it's the path of fame. Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. That's what it was. It's. I mean, he sings about it. You know, I mean, Hetfield's always sung about fame and how it's. Kind of fucked them up, and yeah. and because of that, yeah, I mean, you, 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 I mean, they, like I said, Metallica's part of the big club now. You know, they're not that Metallica from, you know, yeah. from Orange County playing the the local, no. you know, shows down there, or yeah. in, in the Troubadour in, in Hollywood. No. You know, they're, they're not the stop. guys st stealing beer from the convenience store in the yeah. from all video. <laughs> no, <laughs> that band they're is rubbing, gone. <laughs> yeah, they're gone, man. So it's and, yeah. and that's the thing is that, and I don't like when everything just keeps coming back. So Metallica, Metallica's not going to lead the revolution for new music, no, you know? It's, not it's, at all. It's not. I mean, even look, I, I mean, now, yeah, 90s are back in. Like I said, Alice in Chains, I know, since they're them and Pearl. See, Pearl Jam, as much as I'm not a fan of their music, they really did it right. You know, uh -huh. they did it right. They they got out of the machine. They stopped making videos, no MTV, and they've yeah. done it since. I mean, after that first record, they stopped. Yeah. And they're they're selling out arenas left and right still. They, you don't need it if you're... If you're it, it, look at band like even I mean on a lower level you a band like uh, if you want like a really great example of a band that did it right is a band like Clutch they did it all on oh, their yeah. own too mm -hmm. I mean they went they played with whoever they played with they went on these major labels and like they always said they they used those major labels they never su succeeded on them yeah. but they were on like three of them and they just used them mostly for the distribution purposes mm -hmm. and then by the time they were dropped they just opened up their own label and they were already huge and had that huge fan base. Yeah. That now, I mean, you go anywhere and they sell out everywhere. I mean, so mm -hmm. yeah, that's how you do it. You just, you, you don't get, I don't, you know, I don't say get greedy, but you just don't overexpose yourself. Yeah. And, and that's what I think Metallica has done. Um, just using them as an example, you know, obviously. Mm -hmm. well, all of the big bands have done that. You yeah, know, they pick, all have. Pick yeah. the biggest, I mean, forget Metallica, take them out of the equation. I'll, I'll go yeah. to a different genre completely. Take a band like Nine Inch Nails. Mm -hmm. That is a band that should have never had commercial success because their music was way too dirty, mm -hmm. way too violent, way too harsh. Then came the downward spiral, which had mm -hmm. hits. 
And once it had hits, then they wrote hits. Then they started writing the bite the hand that feeds and and the perfect drug and, you know, songs that were made kind of for radio. Yep. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe not, maybe not fully for radio, but they, they definitely went more that direction. Mm -hmm. You know, corn's another one. Corn's first record. There was nothing on that. That was supposed to be a hit. No, that's a violent record. Very violent. But it had some, but it had some hits. And what happened? It had some fame, and then you get, uh, you know, life is peachy. Life, well, life is peachy. That's just garbage. That's it's, just it's, junk. Yeah. Well, once again, that's what happened. I mean, like you but, said, but got, think, yeah. think after that though, because that's when they started writing hits. That's yeah. when you got got the life and um, well, because yeah, the label's telling you like, and, hey, we need yeah. one or two hits. You got to come up with these, and I mean, you yeah, know, I mean, that's that's no secret that that's what labels mm-hmm. want you to do. But why and do so, they want it for the exposure? They want, well, of course, and, and the and the bands are all <clears throat> too. Look, as much as mo- all of us sort of hate Nirvana, um, you got to give Nirvana credit. Nirvana had the biggest selling album of the '90s, or one of the biggest selling. Oh yeah, certainly well, the I, most influential. I wouldn't say I hate. I don't hate you know Nirvana. But what did yeah. they do? They came back with a record that a the label turned down the first time yeah. because it was so against the grain. Yep. And then they modified it just enough mm. to get the label to. And really, was there any real hits off of that thing? I mean, no, nah, maybe rape me. Heart shaped box. Yeah, heart shaped box isn't a hit though. If you ask me, it's yeah, not, and, I mean, and rape me. Yeah, I, mean, I know. Yeah, in no well, world yeah. should rape me be a hit. In no world should that be a hit. Oh, it that was. is true. It was. You know, uh, I mean, they you say what yeah. you want about Nirvana. They came back and were like, "Fuck you!" Fame. They did. They did. You know, I will give Kurt Cobain a lot of credit. For he he did. He he didn't want. For, he didn't want that fame. He always said he never wanted that. Most yeah. of those guys didn't. I mean, Lane Staley obviously didn't. He was a recluse, and mm-hmm. yeah, you know, those guys were never those kind of. You know, that's they were just once again from that. Yeah small local scene that just you know that yeah. just had something that no other scene has ever had and that mm-hmm. you know sub pop that was just something that people tried to emulate that they couldn't because once again like you said i got a cleveland with those labels it, it, was, it was they opened just to get those bands and get them on yeah. those pnd deals where sub pop was all about just just sign in to find a local talent and, and just knocking it out and they did it with so many bands and they're still doing it you know, yeah. that's another, that's another label that didn't sell out and they didn't, they really didn't, you know, so they just, yeah. I mean, they took what they could and now it's obviously been able to allow them to have this label for the rest of their lives, right. which is great. And so that's, once again, that comes from a very, you know, that's it, it, a lot of integrity, musical integrity, artistic integrity, whatever you want to call it, Yeah. where you don't want to overexpose yourself. You want to keep that. You want to, you know, you, you want people talking about you and that all your records are great. I mean, let's be honest. I, I, I keep using no Metallica. I just use them because they're the biggest band. Sure. But is anyone really looking forward to a new Metallica record, even if it came out? I mean, we've tried for a couple of them. They've yeah. had some some good moments, but they've never even come close. And I know a lot of bands as they get older, they, you know, they obviously, that happens. That's very common. Well, dude, I, but, I mean, I still get pumped up for, but again, I'm old. I still get pumped up for, a Metallica record, a Megadeth record, an Anthrax record, you know, my, my big bands, Judas Priest, you know, the bands that I mm. grew up loving. Mm. And that being said, like even the Megadeth record, love Megadeth, been a Megadeth fan since Megadeth's been a band really, you know, mm. and um, that record came out, the the most current one, the so good, so dead, whatever it's called. 
and and that right there should tell you. I don't even know what the name of the fucking record is. But, but I listened to it like two or three times. I was like, eh, okay. You know, it's yeah, not no. it's not peace cells. Mm, <laughs> it's no. not even dystopia. No. No. Yeah. And I think but if you but if that new Exodus record came out, you'd be pretty damn pumped and it would sound pretty damn good. You know, and that's the difference too. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of these bands by keeping their core sound over the years, they've been able to continue to sure. to to just make that sound better and better instead of trying to cross genres and cross these boundaries, which don't mm -hmm. get me wrong, I, th I think it's totally fine to do and you want to experiment with. But when that becomes your sole thing, and then I, I just, you know, a lot of those bands just, they, well, you end up losing your way as a band because now you're a business. You're no longer yeah. just this hungry band that wants to continue to kick people's asses when they go play shows. There's other, so much other things that are involved, elements involved, when it comes to your songwriting and just how you promote music, you know? So yeah, no, there yeah. is, there is. Yeah. And, and, but you're, you're a thousand percent right though. Those bands that didn't change their sound or didn't change drastically that stayed the course. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would argue that they're all more popular than they yeah. were in the day. Death oh, yeah. Angel. Absolutely. Death Angel's way more popular now than they all those ever. Bands. Yeah. It's just Testament. Death, Testament. The same yeah, thing. Testament too. Yeah, mm -hmm. but in I I I specifically point to Death Angel because I lived out there at the time that the Act mm -hmm. Three was out. Sure. And I saw I saw them play on the Act Three tour, and I saw them play as the organization, which was basically yeah. the, the band mm -hmm. without Mark. Without Mark. And yeah. um, and they did not pack them in, mm -hmm. and that was that was when they were a legitimate big band. They were signed to a major. They were a legitimate big band with big money behind them. And I, and now you go see them and they're packing them in. Sure. Yeah. Same with mm -hmm. Exodus, same with yep. Testament, same with the, you know, uh, vicious rumors, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, all those bands, all those bands that kind of stayed the course and didn't sell out mm -hmm. are bigger now than they were in the day. They are. They, they, they'll all, yeah, they'll all tell you that. I mean, mm -hmm. they'll all tell you that, that they can't yeah. believe how much, even some of these, the, the bands that weren't as huge, like that band Blind Illusion I interviewed recently, mm -hmm. that they're bigger now than ever. I sure. mean, I, I, they were only known before as, as Les Claypool's original band. You know, right. that was it. Now you've got mm -hmm. people that are finding out about them <clears throat> because <clears throat> I also think You've got some of these younger fans that are, who are into it that are looking into these older bands. Yeah. And now that you can go on Spotify and just click it up, see, we couldn't do that back in the day, right? Think about it. We, I would have definitely been into so many more bands from the seventies oh, yeah. and eighties if we were able to go on Spotify. You know, mm -hmm. if we had that option, we just didn't. We had to rely on our friends' records, our yeah. parents' records, or just our own records, and that was Dude, it. Spotify back in the day was ripping off Columbia House. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. <laughs> that was Spotify yeah. for me. Twelve I for know. a penny. Twelve for a penny, and I'm good. <laughs> oh yeah, I think I still have those collection notices coming. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, those things, man. I mean, uh, yeah, that's that. That is funny. That's exactly what it was, though. You're right. I mean, but that's how desperate we were to get new music. Yeah. Because we couldn't afford to buy twelve mm -hmm. tapes. Right. So yeah, you get even if they were a couple of years old, so be it. You know, yeah. or it wasn't well, a great record. And, and I don't know about you, but I know for me, like when it was 12 for a penny or 15 for a penny or whatever it would be, mm -hmm. I could usually find eight that I wanted. 
So yeah. then I would start picking things that I didn't know but looked cool. Mm-hmm, okay. You know, I I literally would be looking at the little. Remember, it used to have the little pamphlet. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The little oh, pamphlet. Of I'd, oh, yeah. I'd be looking through the pamphlet. I'd be like, "Well, sure. that looks pretty cool. I'll take that." <laughs> take that. I know. You know, and I mean, some of them hit and some of them didn't. Oh god, I know. I have some real winners, man. I think it was. I think one of my biggest winners on that was was it Gene loves Jezebel. <laughs> one of their one of their tapes, uh, World Party. I don't know if you remember those guys. I remember all. World Party. Yeah, okay. I remember them. They had a couple of decent songs. They were okay, but yeah, I mean, I had some interest in. I mean, it's funny to go through that stuff, and I know. But you're right. I mean, yeah. You, you, but once again, that was just. And even though most of those tapes probably found two songs on each tape that were good, mm-hmm. it was at least something that was yeah, new. You were, you were learning something new, something new. different, and. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't know, for me, a lot of times I'd be in my car when I was 16 years old or whatever, and I'd be driving and, you know, picking up this girl or that girl, whatever, to go out on a date or whatever. And I'd pop in that that stuff because they wouldn't mm. know it. Yeah, exactly. And it was something to talk about. It was like, oh, yeah. what are we listening to here? Oh, this is just yeah. World Party, of course. Don't you know? <laughs> you know? Huge band. Come on. Yeah. They're going to be They're the next big thing. Yeah, next Rolling Stones. <laughs> they're the next Starship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, cool, man. Well, I guess we can get ready to wrap it up. You know, Just one quick, one quick thing, though, before we do go yeah, yeah. in terms of this topic. I think another thing, as we're just talking about Columbia House and these records, is also the death of the physical music products, I think, has contributed uh-huh. to the downfall of local scenes as oh, well. Yeah. Because of record stores, I mean, that was a big thing. Obviously, signings were crucial to local scenes. Uh-huh. And you had to go to, to the store. There were shows at a lot of those you know, stores and, and sure. signings. Just overall, the physical ownership and just physical presence of music is just pretty much gone. And that's it's just sad. one last thing I wanted to say. It's really yeah. sad, man. It is. Well, dude, yeah. dude, in my interviews, in every interview that I do on Chris Aiken Presents, I I say this record is out on blah 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 date. Mm. Go buy it. Yeah. Don't stream it. Buy right. it. Mm-hmm. Every single artist, every single one of them, lights up when I say that. Yeah. That that I actually say buy it. And ninety-nine percent of them at the end of the interview, they they thank me for saying on the interview to buy the to physical buy product mm-hmm. because it's still important to them. And that's that's the one, mm-hmm. you know. I like me, I'm not a physical product guy. I mm-hmm. don't have any physical product. Mm-hmm. I, I I have no use for it. I don't have a CD player, you know. I, I don't know what I would do with physical product, honestly. Mm-hmm. But that being said. I certainly from talking to bands, I understand that they still put in the work like, like they did in the old days, mm. you know, that the art is still important to them. The, you know, the, mm. the, yeah. the graphics are still important to them. It all means something to them. You know, look, look at this thing right here. This is something I'll, I'll hold it up to the camera here. You see this thing? Yes, this is a it's a horrible art, but it's it's um it's it from pretty a band. good. Sorry. It's awful. <laughs> it's from a band called A to Z. It's the um drummer from, oh, from um, uh, Fate's Warning. Fate's Warning, yeah. yes. And uh, and I get I get the symbolism of it. An apple, a zebra, A to Z. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I get it. You know, that's fine. It's not a great cover. Right, no comment. He, but yeah. I'll <laughs> say it. it's not a great cover. It's terrible. But but, yeah. but um. Yeah. For him, in what he was trying to represent, this was an important thing. Important enough that because I did a good interview with him, he sent me this 
metal metallic sign that he had made. Oh, nice. That's cool. And signed it on the back. Very cool. Because for him, the physical product is important. And yeah. I think a lot of these bands, the physical product is important to them. And, and they feel like you're not enjoying the full experience. Full experience, yes. Unless mm -hmm. you get the physical get thing where you can hold it in your hand and you can, you know, see the liner notes and... It is true, man. I mean, it, it, it. Well, once again, like you said, great point. These guys. I mean, look. This the only reason why they're still doing it today mm -hmm. is because for the love of it. I mean, it's it. I mean, yeah. there's no, there's no monetary uh, value in this stuff. I mean, there's not. You know, they're just mm -hmm. they want to. I mean, they'd probably. It's like that that guy Mark Biederman was saying for Blind Illusion. He's like, for me, I, I wouldn't even sell these things. He's like, I would just trade them with people for a joint. Sure. You know, hey, give me a joint. <laughs> yeah, he's my he's my record. Nice. Because it's it is it's 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 about they want you to hear it, you know. Yeah, they, I mean, obviously, if they could charge ninety nine cents for a vinyl, they would do it. But why? Sure. You know, they'd be out of shit ton of money. That's why they can't do it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, they, people these these musicians are in it just for the love of it. I mean, it's one of those things yeah. that they, we hear all the time. It's these people say, I, "This is you know, I, I have to do this. You know, like uh, I, this is what gets me up in the morning. You mm -hmm. know, is is this." And so that's why, and like you said, a, a great point with, with that record um, is that you don't, a lot of times, if you're not looking at all the liner notes or looking at the, the artwork and you're not playing it on a vinyl or something, just a, a, just like you said, the listening experience that used to take place. Yeah. I, I think it does dilute the, you know, the listening experience. You know, obviously, I mean, I've got physical product. I, I wish I'd have more. You know, mm -hmm. I won't go lie. I, I, I used to collect a lot. I've kind of slowed down a little bit now. A lot of it's too because you know, look, it's expensive. You know, and, yeah. And um, even vinyl's gotten so expensive. You know, if I could just go to places that use vinyl and pay five bucks a vinyl, I'd, I'd buy a whole shitload of them. Right. But you got to sit there, you got to look through these things. It takes hours, so you, it takes mm -hmm. time. Yeah. You know, and so that's the thing too. It's just time consuming. Mm -hmm. People always want to save time, and that's a, another reason why we've got physical products that have gone to the wayside too, because it's yeah. just so easier. And convenient to just right. pop it on your stream so and to pull yeah. it all the way back around it's also why we have the the global community instead exactly. of the in the club community because exactly. people don't want to give up the time yep exactly you know and yeah so and with that being said i think we've had a good discussion on this topic um I'd say. yeah i would say as well uh well once again chris great time anything you want to say or add before we wrap it up no, just uh, visit all the shows on the CMS Podcast Network, cmspn.com. All the shows are really kicking ass right now. So if you haven't been following along, get all the shows because tons of great interviews, tons of great music, and tons of great music that most of you don't know. So go and find a lot of it because it's, it's well worth your time. Absolutely. I agree. And with that, we will see everybody next time on Tremors. Thanks for watching and listening. See you next time.